0: DBA is a place for everyone, doubters and believers alike, to discuss theology, current events, and a rediscovery of radical hope. Find us on Facebook at doubters forward slash believers alliance and on Instagram at doubters believers. Once again, from Daughters Believers Alliance, Um, hopefully everyone can tell we're not at Bryant Lake Bowl today. Um, Partly is because it's a holiday weekend and um, I knew most of the people who were going to be there uh, in person this week uh, were not going to be there and don't want to have to drive all the way. 20 minutes away to set up for church and no one's going to be there alive. So I decided I talked with Amanda and said, hey, let's just do it at home this week. So here we are. Uh, Don't know how long the conversation is going to be, but wanted to kind of share some stuff that's on my heart and on my mind. Um, And I appreciate anybody who is listening or who will listen. Um, My last talk that I did kind of on the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing, I got some good comments, some pushbacks, but it's it's uh, one of the most viewed talks that I've done in a hot minute, so I think that it had some conversation going. I really feel um, it's so sunny out today. This is why I don't like the sun, because it makes my face look like the Shekinah Glory is on on my face. So, and I mean, even if I took my glasses off, it would still be kind of bright. And I really can't see. Do I look better, Amanda, with my glasses on or off, truthfully? With it? Okay. I mean, I can still talk without my glasses on, and I can see fine. But um, anyway, my my head's kind of all over the place uh, because this has been a very emotional week for Amanda and myself. Um, We found out last Sunday, not too long after we finished, at DBA last week that Amanda's brother, um, unexpectedly and unfortunately passed away. Uh, it was a complete shock to, to the family, obviously for Amanda and her siblings and for, you know, my mother-in-law and for all the, you know, for his wife, for his kids, he had three kids. Um, yeah, and, and life is so fickle. Life is so crazy. Um, sorry, my cat is meowing. Caleb, I'm, I'm already going to tell you um, already if there's a lot of background noise, I'm sorry. We're trying to do this as best as we can with all of our uh, emotions and our, all that stuff. So if you hear me say um a lot or you hear a cat or Ava, I apologize to anyone watching or... To Caleb, our fearless editor and producer, um, yes. So, anyway, my brother-in-law, Josh, passed away last Sunday afternoon um, after a, a, just a brief sickness. Uh, and this, you know, it's when it's anybody who's lost someone will, can say, like, the days just blur together. You don't know, you don't know what day is what, you know he passed away on a sunday i worked one day this past week cuz in america it was thanksgiving so thursday and friday most people had off and just just the days i was like you know i woke up today and i was like what what is today today is today saturday is today sunday and obviously realizing that it was sunday and and everything but it was just that kind of a week everyone you know where you're just not realizing what day is what And kind of from what's up and what's down, um, just such a surreal, surreal time um, this last week. And not just, unfortunately, I passed away, but around the time of the year with Thanksgiving and being thankful for things. And um, the funeral was this past Friday. If you're watching live, then you'll know um, that's not that long ago. And for those of you who do go back and listen to it sometime, um, it was just a very uh, crazy time. Uh, I'll just say that. Um, Amanda will post the link here in, I don't know, now or by the end of the um, talk. But one thing that's awesome and one thing I will say about community that's fantastic is... um, why I can't ever give up on community in any sort of capacity, uh, is their friend, Matt Hayton, and I'm gonna shout out to Matt Hayton. um, Josh and his wife, Megan, helped in this church, this church plant called Cedar Bend, out um, in the St. Croix Valley in uh, far western Wisconsin, just over the border into Wisconsin from Minnesota and they were doing this this uh church plant for the last number of years and that's why they moved back up here to Wisconsin and they were living in Illinois um longer story short you know my sister-in-law and my nieces are without a dad and Amanda just posted uh the link um they're they're trying to help Megan and the girls um try to make this through this and I mean hurt and sadness and grief and no one's going to bring back their father my wife's brother my brother-in-law um but they're trying to soften soften the blow of financial difficulties financial hardship they have a house that they bought a few years ago um and this is i i want this to go viral not necessarily from here but i want you know news programs to pick it up i want you know certain whether cnn or you know just whatever But um, they started, they wanted to pay for the funeral costs of the funeral. And he just threw this out, like, Sunday or Monday um, when we were planning the funeral. He's like, how cool is it if we could raise enough money that we could pay for the funeral in and of itself? And within less than 24 hours, they had the funeral paid for after posting it. And then Matt was like, you know, let's dream big. Let's be crazy and, and and just dream big. And so they said, how about we try to buy their house? And anybody who knows house, houses and the mortgage is extremely high. It's not like a car loan or, you know, when you live in an apartment like us where you have just, you know, your monthly rent. And there's so many things that go into owning a house. Um, And I'll probably get choked up saying this because it's the most incredible form of community, incredible form of, uh, I would just say, even like Christian community that I've that I've seen in my life. But within when was it 72 hours, Amanda, I think within 72 hours, um, they raised over one hundred and seventy six thousand dollars to pay for the mortgage for, um, Megan and my nieces. Um, and then just saying that right now, just gives me the chills because people don't do that most likely in this day and age, you know, people, people don't, don't throw that kind of money around. We're going through a pandemic still, you know, you have the thing in our society right now called the great resignation where people are, are leaving. Um, hang on. Anyway, all the all the notes and comments are blocking my face out, so it's kind of little, whatever, kind of distracting. Anyway, going back. So, um, yeah, they raised one hundred and seventy six thousand dollars. Um in four days and one of them there was two huge donors and there was a couple people who um, said whatever was raised they'll match it i don't know who they were i talked to this pastor matt at the funeral reception and i i mean i got goosebumps i was like this is incredible this is amazing um i i like i said i've been a part of a lot of churches a part of a lot of fundraising campaigns whether being you know at a church or like at a school i mean the church that I was a part of for a while—I mean, we were—we took years to raise, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars, and they gave to my my family, my in-laws. In less than a week, they raised over a hundred and seventy some thousand dollars. Um, this isn't what the whole talk's gonna be about, but I'm not gonna apologize for just feeling shitty um i'm not gonna apologize for if i cry or be emotional um this last week sucked um any kind of adjective or word you can put in there of of how one should feel and people might be like oh well brian that was your you know brother-in-law you must be really close yeah i was i was really close um everyone jokes that you know 'Cause it was Amanda's brother. Everyone jokes that like Amanda and Josh, they almost were like twins. They weren't twins because he were they were born three years apart, but they had the same sense of humor. I will say dull sense of humor. Don't at me, Amanda. Um, but just the just the love and and light and kindness, generosity. Um, and he had a servant heart. Like he put his wife, his daughters, his friends. The community above above him all the time um, and and you know every time I would hang out with him at a family event, it could have been we we could have saw them and seen him for like an hour, you know, or we could be over at his house for the whole weekend or something and he would always come up and hug me throughout the day. and I remember the last long stretch of time that we hung out with him like a weekend was this past July for July 4th and I was helping him around the house and putting up like one of those big king size trampolines for, for the girls to use. And, you know, we were grilling together, hanging out. And, you know, he, he, when I left, he just gave me a big hug and he's like, love you, buddy. And, and, you know, several times he was like, you know, love you, brother. And that just, that's never going to be forgotten on me. Um, and literally, I wish everyone that is watching or will watch that you could have met my brother-in-law, Josh, um, was an amazing man. Um, we didn't always agree on our theology or or policies and theology and, and church stuff, but we agreed on music. We loved the same kind of music. I just looked back in some of my texts, and one of his last texts he sent me, was about a band that I should check out because he really got into them and he's like hey this band really slaps I bought their EP Uh, you know you should do it we were actually planning on going to a concert here in Minneapolis in January of a band that we both like who are kind of retiring or disbanding and so it's really tough not to be able to to see him and do those things anymore but um like I said, up in the comments, Amanda put um, the link to to send money. And, and, and I hate asking for this. I will never ask for a single cent of money for DBA um, or Sacred Collective. That's not what I'm about. That's not why I've started those two things. But this is going to be probably one of the only times you'll ever ask me to open your pockets and please, please, please give money to his family, um, you know, and, and and on top of that, um, my sister-in-law, so Josh's wife, just beat cancer this year, last year and this year she was battling with uh, breast cancer and just survived that while Josh, you know, was being the strong husband and father and servant leader that he was, um, was with her throughout the whole thing. And now, with all the medical expenses she has for that um and for the chemo that she was in, and then to lose her and then to lose her husband so abruptly, so I don't care if it's a dollar you can give if you can give ten dollars, if you can give a hundred dollars or you can give a thousand dollars or anything in between um I hate asking for money, but it's it's not going to the church, it's not going. To me, it's not going to the church that that is, that set this up. It's going uh, directly to my my family that this is affecting my my sister in law and my nieces, so that um, they can not uh, have uh, any medical expense or not uh, any mortgage um, to deal with. And like I said, I'm just absolutely. Uh, blown away by the generosity out of people's hearts that I don't know I will probably never meet just to take care uh, of my family my extended family in that way it's just incredible enough of that sad stuff though um, with all this stuff that's happened the last um, the last week and people know that I'm not I'm not critical or I don't like to critique just for the sake of critiquing or being critical and I do honestly think that some people are wired that way um more than others um and just helping the family process grief and like I tell people all the time you know I went to seminary and a lot of my friends who I'm still close with went to seminary and the one thing that seminary or baba college or even pastoral counseling or pastoral care, what they'll never tell you is how to be with people in their grief. Um, People will always say, oh, well, why did God take this person home? Why did this person have to die? All that is just us pulling things out of the air. And like what I've said to my wife dealing with the loss of her brother um, or to my mother-in-law is I'm like, it's okay not to be okay. You know, it's okay to feel hurt it's okay to have terrible days or up days you know if there's a day where like myself or like my wife are just going to be giggling and talking about Josh and that's fine and there's going to be days where we're on you know we're like in the fetal position crying because it hurts so bad and that's fine but the thing that I want to what I want to talk about today is and what the, the, this talk is, is entitled is called, We We Do Not Understand. And, and I was talking to one of my sister-in-laws, Amanda's younger sister, what I was going to talk about. Uh, I think I talked to her yesterday about it a little bit. And I was just like, I'm more of a questioning, curious, as you can see in the sign, the doubting type of person, not because I want to be, but I think that's just how my... My brain and my body and my soul just reacts to things. And so often as human beings, and especially being raised a Christian in the Christian world that I have been in, we always want to say we have these these absolute answers. We have these absolute things of, of we know this is what's going to happen when you die we know this is what's going to happen if you go to church and and if you read the Bible and pray every day and tithe and live this good life, then we know all these things that, that are going to happen. And I am never going to once say to anybody who's lost a loved one or who is going through a shitty time in their life, uh, I'm never once going to go to them and be like, yep, you're wrong, your theology stinks. But internally and in my heart and in my mind, I'm like, we don't understand why death is so painful and why it's it's so uh grief stricken is because as human beings, we always look at the the positives in life, the happy things. You know, when when my daughter was born and or when I found out my wife was pregnant with our daughter, uh I was excited, I was ecstatic, and and that, that emotion of when my daughter was born is great and seeing her, you know, grow up as the, as this beautiful little girl and, and soon into a woman is amazing and it's beautiful, but nothing, the, the, the farthest thing from my mind is if what do I do if she dies or what do I do if Amanda dies or what do I do if my mom or my brother dies? And I was talking to someone, this pastor who was doing the funeral, I was talking to, his wife or sometime this week, and I was telling her, you know, when my dad passed away like 15, 16 years ago, I said I was raised in the church. I was raised in the Assemblies of God. And my whole life I was always told, just give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus when you don't understand, when you don't, when nothing makes sense, when you're hurting, when you're grieving, just give it to Jesus. And I think that's easier said than done. Uh, for many reasons that I'm not going to get into, but and I looked at her and I said, "Well, what gave me solace? What gave me peace after kind of having a turbulent year after my dad passed away, with just doing messing around with alcohol too much and smoking way too many cigarettes that hurt my body uh, for a long time?" Was going going to scripture and actually going to Lamentations. You know, there's a book in the Bible called Lamentations where it's all about lamenting. Um, And also going to Ecclesiastes, which is, you know, wisdom literature. There's That's, you know, parts of the Old Testament are wisdom literature like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, um, the Psalms. And, you know, one of my favorite verses in the in ecclesiastes and i forget what what chapter and verse but it literally kind of repetitive and i've said if you listen to me for any length of time you'll hear me say uh you'll hear me say when like, there's repetition when an an author is repetitious in what he or she writes is they're trying to prove a point and all over in the ecclesiastes is there's nothing new under the sun there's a time to live or there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And that gave me comfort because, no, it it, it sucked that my father passed away. But literally in scripture right there, it says you're going to be born. There's a time that you're going to be born and then there's going to be a time that you die and no one knows when you're going to die. And people get freaked out by that, but I find that that's beautiful because that's life. Uh, it's the great kind of circle of life. Um, and I also told this person, this pastor's wife, that I said, um, and I've preached on this a lot, and I only, I said I only got kickstarted into this thinking after having to deal with my own father passing away, but in um, Psalms 88. And if anybody's familiar with Scripture, Psalms is 150 chapters in this small book, and the 88th chapter of Psalms, and I think I've preached even talking here to DBA or maybe when we were Revolution or maybe when I spoke one time when Jay was here in Minneapolis, I think I might have spoke on it. And and I've preached in, in conservative churches on this, and I've preached even in liberal mainline services, and I've always had people come up to me, one or two people, saying, wow, I really needed to hear that. But Psalms 88 is an extremely extremely depressing uh chap or a uh, portion of scripture because it's a small psalm and it's a small lament and pretty much the author if it's attributed to david we don't know who is attributed to writing most of the psalms but literally it's like god why did you turn your eyes from me god where is your love i'm drowning in like my grief and sadness why are all my enemies, you know, being better than me? And I'm, you know, here in the doldrums. I'm here experiencing hell on earth. And usually, and you read in most of the Psalms, there's some sort of kind of return to God, you know, but in all this grief that I'm going to, through, I give you grace, I give you love, I give you praise and adoration. Psalms 88 is different because it ends on a completely depressing slow point where it's like you know you've turned your back on me and you're with my enemies um and it's pretty much it, i don't know for sure if it's exactly what it says but pretty much i'm literally in my hell i'm literally in this hell and in the suffering and for some apparent reason that has given me uh solace because i'm like here of people throughout christian history throughout the history of humanity They've been going through the same shit that I went through with losing people. The same thing with Amanda losing her brother, and my mother-in-law losing her son. Is I'm not saying that they're going to have to gra- gravitate like I do towards uh, towards that at all. But you know, people will go to scripture. and will find the 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 highlights and 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 you know these you know pumped up verses where like. Uh, oh, they're with Jesus or whatever. And that's fine. If that's how somebody wants to interpret it or deal with their grief, I'm all for it. But what gave me grief is to know that, you know what? Everyone's in pain. Everyone goes through suffering. Everyone goes through this terrible hardship of death and and un- unknowing and not understanding of, of all the stuff. And that there's places in scripture that actually will say, hey, you know, there's a time to suffer and there's a time to grieve and it's okay to, to grieve and suffer. I'm already 25 minutes in before I'm even getting to the, the nitty-gritty of what I <laughs> wanted to talk about. But as I said earlier, and please obviously write any comments or questions uh, that you have and I'm sure Amanda will read them to me or 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 show me them. But as I said, um, kind of with this understanding of we do not understand, um, kind of concurrently to everything with going on, I'm I'm in this um online class, um, that Trip Fuller is doing, and and um, it's on this uh, on Soren, I can't even say his name right now, Sorn Kierkegaard, who was a Danish uh philosopher. He was a Christian, uh, unabashedly Christian. Kind of came from bourgeois kind of a background. His family was very rich. Um, He had great, you know. I always hate a lot of these people we look at, like Bonhoeffer and Bart, and some of these other people. uh, Kind of had uh, what I would say a a more bourgeois or more uh, upper middle upper middle class to like rich background. So education and and going to the best schools or universities um were easy uh for them to attain and just in the notes here that Amanda's putting in I told her to just kind of do a hyperlink to wikipedia just if people who are watching don't know who Soren Kierkegaard is um uh he's he's I, honestly if I could put my my top 5 favorite theologians or philosophers of all time Soren Kierkegaard is is probably in my top five easily, if not top three. But he, he was an educator. He was, um, uh, he pastored sometimes or preached, uh, but mostly what he did was write. Um, he was in, like most writers, they didn't get, he didn't get more popular or um, didn't catch on until after, well long after he died. And I'm sure if you click in the hyperlink, I'm gonna get the dates wrong, but he lived in the eighteen hundreds um i don't uh I think he was born in like the early eighteen huh he was bo- He was born eighteen thirteen and died in eighteen fifty five so he did not live a long life um himself if you do the math um but one thing that he did was he talked about uh existentialism and existentialism in a nutshell is why are we here? What's the meaning of life? Uh, none of us, and I always joke with people, none of us who are here on the planet earth right now are asked to be here. Um, we were all here because our parents had sex and we are the offspring. And I'm not, that's not a negative thing. That's just basic biology why we're all here. And you know, you're going to have a lot of Christians who are like, well, why we're here is to, you know, worship Jesus and tell other people about you know, Jesus, so they don't burn in hell for eternity. There's going to be people who believe that. I'm I, I, I I'm like, that's one way to look at it. I, I say I'm here because of what I just said, and I want to be the best human being that I possibly can, be the best husband, be the best father, be the best friend, be the best employee, uh, be just uh, kind to one another. But the one thing that Soren Kierkegaard, uh, he wrote, Extensively on existentialism. um, But he also, what he's known for, and he never gave up on the church. And this is why I resonate with him. The reason he never gave up on the church uh, was because he's like, how, if I give up on the church, the church isn't going to be better. The church, if I give up on the church and walk away from, from the church, you know, I can't get mad or I can't critique it if I left it and I'm no longer a part of it. And so he uh, he critiqued the church, especially, obviously, he critiqued the church in Denmark, where he was from. He's uh, in, in Copenhagen, which is the capital. And even back then, a very bourgeois, very cosmopolitan city. And he critiqued... Uh, all, all of it, he critiqued, you know, what's the point of church? What's the point of worshiping Jesus if if we're not being in community? It's just all these things. And so my main two things, I want to just focus on two quotes, kind of give my thought on it, of why we don't understand and why when we don't understand, it's okay. And And this isn't one of those pumped up things where you're going to be like, oh, wow, this is... I feel so, I have all the feels, but this is going to be one of those things where when you when we get done with this talk, that you can just step back and reflect and to be like, hmm, I might agree with what Brian said and what, you know, Soren said, or I might disagree, and that's okay, but just this is some food for thought to chew on over the next couple of days. One famous quote, I mean, he has tons of famous quotes. I mean, I would be here for a week telling you all the uh, all these quotes but the first quote he's attributed to saying that i love is the first thing to understand is that you do not understand and you might be like what what the heck well yeah that's some good philo- philo- philosophy using words in interchangeable ways but he's literally saying the first thing you need to understand is we don't understand And that plays perfectly into how I felt at my brother-in-law's funeral on Friday. And I'm going, you know, I'm seeing all the, you know, there's the worship band playing fine. And I'm not, this is not poo-pooing or or saying anything with the funeral, Christianese or not, was bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying theologically and internally and just like from my gut is, when anybody dies, when anybody goes through suffering, cancer, a disease, uh financial hardships, you know, losing a job, we're always like, God, what does this mean to us? Well, God, what are you trying to say? God, you know, even people who are more ag- agnostic or atheistic when these horrible things happen, they even like turn towards God and be like, I don't know if I believe in you, but here's my time talking to you. Here's here's these thoughts and, you know, trials and tribulations that I'm going through. And what I love about what Soren says, he's like, the first thing we need to understand is that we don't understand. And that simply put, it's okay as humans and it's okay as Christians for us to not understand why this is happening. It's okay. It's okay for us to sit back and be like, why did Josh have to die? I don't know. I don't know why he got sick so quick and so abrupt and why he had to die. I don't know why my dad, you know, a number of years ago when he died, that he had a heart attack. This is his first heart attack he ever had. It wasn't a huge one, but he died from it. And my grandmother, my mom's mother, had a heart attack in the 80s and it was a big one and she survived. You know, and I always tell people make it make sense. And I say that as like tongue in cheek because it doesn't make sense and that's why and that's why i'm so moved with soren kierkegaard when he says the first thing to understand is we don't understand we don't understand why anything happens you know we know obviously scientifically speaking we know why the sun rises and the sun sets we know that there's gravity we know that the weather changes that that part i'm not, he's not trying to say but when it comes to more theological Philosophical, just dealing with the existence of humanity and dealing with the emotions that we all have every single day. We don't understand, and that's why I say that I'm more of a Christian agnostic. I believe in the teachings and the message of Jesus, and I'm not saying Soren Kierkegaard in any stretch is a, was agnostic, but he his critique was pretty much sane. I would, and I would say he was more postmodern, even though he is not, but I would look, of, uh, uh, and he probably would critique postmodernism too, but postmodernism is like, there is no absolute truth. How can you say that this is reason where we don't know what reason is, you know, certain things like this. And what I love about Kierkegaard is that he's like, guys, hey, folks, it, we don't understand anything, and that's okay. It's not bad to talk about it. It's not bad to uh, philosophize or theologize on these things, but let's not forget, at the end of the day, we're all just talking out of our butt, um, and we're really not going to know the truth of anything until probably after we die. And he's more or less saying we're probably not going to know about anything until we die, because then hopefully then we meet God, meet Christ, and, and... I don't know. You know, I don't know if we die and in, in, in just be buried in the ground or if we go to heaven or hell. And that's just my gut reaction. But that quote gave me some solace too, even this week of it's okay to not understand. And we're not going to understand any of these things. And, and, and that's fine. Um, the next quote, this one gets a little bit um, more of a gut punch, but it's more of a critique that he said that I want to give a critique, well, not a critique on his critique, but show you why this critique makes sense and why, um, as you see in America right now, the great church decline. Um, you You've heard the great resignation where so many people are resigning from their jobs because of bad pay and bad policies and bad, you know, uh, pensions and 401ks and stuff, but people are leaving the church in Groves because of, uh, of what I'm going to say and this quote. And mind you, this quote, you know, he lived such a short life. I think he was like 40 or 45 when, when Soren died, but this was a pretty, pretty scathing critique, um, on Christians and how they view the Bible. So the quote goes by Soren Kierkegaard says this, The Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. There's some tongue in cheek stuff in there. Um, and that kind of goes along into the previous quote about understand and whether this translated from Danish to English, you know, perfectly well, is he's kind of using this understand, understand language. Because obviously, in philosophy and theology, it's like, do you understand this? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand these concepts? Do you understand these constructs where we're coming from? Things like that. But he's literally saying to the Christians, Hey, the Bible, it's quite easy. It's quite easy to understand what's written in these pages. Love your neighbor. Um, turn the other cheek, protect the widow, the orphan, the poor, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, everything like that. And you, you know, and, that's i think more of what he what he's saying you know he's not saying oh you know don't get tattooed or don't you know eat shellfish you know that's in the bible you know stuff like that we can get into all those conversations with people but he's literally saying hey the bible isn't isn't hard to understand because when you open it up even if you had not a really good reading level when you say, hey, I should be nice to my neighbor. Hey, I should I, I should love my neighbor as I love myself. I should want the best for my neighbor. And like I, as I said for numerous times, your neighbor is anyone that's not you. Your neighbor is your spouse, your child. Your neighbor is the person in the house or your apartment next door. Your neighbor is your coworker. Your neighbor is a complete stranger driving in a car that cut you off. Your neighbor is is... Um, the person in the jail cell. Your person is a politician. Your neighbor is Donald Trump. Your neighbor is Joe Biden. Your neighbor is anyone that is not yourself. And what he's saying, what Soren is saying, is that the reason we're scheming swindlers is because Christians, no matter what stripe you come from, if you're Catholic, Lutheran, UCC, somebody's a God or a Baptist, we all say... We understand the Bible we all say yep this is what's in the Bible yep this is what we need to do but why we're scheming swindlers is because we say we understand it we really don't understand it because if we understood it we would actually live out what it says for us to do and that right there folks also kind of going in to this great church you know recession the great church decline is that is what the younger generations are seeing. That is what millennials as myself and Amanda and Gen Z, like the teenagers and, and kids in college right now, what they're seeing is they're saying, whoa, they're seeing in a way like Kierkegaard saw the church over a hundred and over two hundred years ago. He saw, hey, you Christians are saying this living your life this way saying that the bible says this and you're not doing anything what the bible says so he wrote this kind of scathing critique of saying hey if you say that you're a christian and you say that you read the bible and that it's easy to understand hey it's right in there this is what we need to do and we don't do it then we're scheming swindlers and i mean that's some pretty you know colorful language i mean he didn't swear but I mean, scheming—that's a very negative, you know, word. And swindlers is literally like we're stealing. We're, we're swindling something. We're we're thieves. And so he's saying that if you don't live out what you say that the Bible says, if you don't live out what the Scripture says, you're swindlers. You're thieves. You're taking hope and joy. You're taking the best from someone and you're taking it away from them because you disagree with their theology, you disagree with their lifestyle or who they choose to live with or to sleep with or where they work or whatever, you know, whatever. And the reason I labeled this talk is we do not understand is I'm 38 going on 39 years old this next year. I have three you know, degrees within theology, philosophy, and church stuff. So I probably know, I would say I know a lot of stuff about the Bible and theology than maybe most. And that's not an arrogant thing to say, it's just reality. But the more I know about the Bible, the more I know about theology and philosophy, I always tell Amanda, the less that I really do know. Because, you know, you read so many books in theology and you read so many, uh, I read so many, um, what am I trying to say, exegesis stuff on how to, you know, what does the Bible really say? And you have theologians and scholars and, you know, biblical critics and, you know, criticism and, you know, all these things that will be like, this is what the Bible says and this is what it is. And then when you look at it kind of from this outside philosophical lens, you're like, Yeah, they're just saying what makes them feel good. They're just saying from whatever perspective they're in, from whatever political persuasion they're from, or, you know, denominational background. And why I love Kierkegaard so much is it's an all-out critique of saying, like, guys, we're making this... You're you're, you're saying how this is so difficult, but really what it is is we're nothing but swindlers because you say... Oh, we need to you know, have the soup kitchen. Oh, but you know, we gotta take it to the and I'm obviously paraphrasing he never said this, but you know, I've heard people be like, Oh, well we need to help the homeless community. Okay, great. Um, let's open our church uh to the homeless community. No, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving just happened here. Why well, doesn't a church buy hundreds of turkeys or prepackaged food and and, like, open your church and say, hey, you know, if you come through our parking lot, we can give you, you know, a turkey dinner. Um, why can't we open our churches up as battered women shelters or for, you know, young men and women who are, are in the sex trafficking world? You know, the list could go on. And I'm not saying that there's not churches that do it, that do these things as I know it. I know in the back of my head, uh, several churches here in the Twin Cities that does stuff like that. So I'm not saying that there's not communities, not just here in the Twin Cities, but worldwide that do it, because there are. But it pales in comparison out of how much it's needed. And I'm not trying to end this conversation in 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 a negative light or in in a light of of there's no hope or there's bleakness. But really, folks, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to faith, I am not saying it's wrong to believe the way you do. I'm not saying it's wrong to have your theology or to have your certain way of, uh, uh, you know, if you like a particular denomination or you feel community there. I'm not saying any of that is wrong because I'm not. What I'm trying to say is, at the end of the day, we don't understand. We do not understand the mystery of life. We don't understand this existential, dreadful question that people have been talking around for centuries is why are we here? And yes, as I said earlier, there's going to be some Christians or some people who are like, this is exactly why I'm here. This is why I know I was born for this. I know. Christ put me in this world for this particular reason, for this whatever. And that's fine. I disagree with you fully on that. But I think what Kierkegaard is trying to say within these critiques is saying, hey, if we're brutally honest with ourselves, even if you don't say it to anyone else, but if you're brutally honest with yourself, and I will say this, I'm channeling my inner Soren in Kierkegaard, but if you're brutally honest with yourself, you, you will say, I don't understand. I don't understand this whole Jesus stuff. I don't understand this whole scripture stuff. I don't understand the meaning of life. Once you realize how insignificant you and all of us really are in the whole scope of this planet, this solar system, the Milky Way, you know, everything. Some people find a lot of anxiety and angst in that. I find beauty in it. I'm like, I'm a peon, this peanut this piece of rice in this whole thing of the world and I'm okay. But even as a little piece of rice or a peanut, I can make a difference. I can make a a, a seismic level, earthquake level difference in the world. Going back to my brother-in-law, Josh, he made a cosmic monumental movement in this world because of how he chose to live his life. And he, doesn't, he He didn't even need to tell people he was a Christian. You could tell it in the actions and the way he lived his life, the way he took care of his family, uh, the hard worker that he was. Uh, he would text me weekly now because me and him, unfortunately, are big Vikings fans, and he would always text me about the game hours after it ended because, of course, he was at church and doing all these you know, family stuff but he would even you know and 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 like at the funeral people were saying everyone he ever met it, you could have met him one time and he made an impact and like i have a coworker that met him one time this past spring cuz we all went to a twins game i had an extra ticket so i asked my coworker to come and he was like yeah your brother-in-law didn't know me from Adam you know you knew that he knew that i was your coworker and he was like hey man good to meet you you know you're a nice dude whatever and they've never met again but even my my co-worker from work was like wow your brother-in-law was it like he was cool like he was nice he just you know pulsated kindness and that is how we should live our lives whether you're a christian or not we should just live our life having people Looking at us as, wow, you're just a great person. What kind? Of, and I always tell people, what kind of legacy do you want to live behind? Do you want to live a legacy that's like, well, yeah, you know, Joe Schmo here was a Christian, uh, you know, said that they were Christian, but they were a complete asshole all the time to everyone. But hey, they believed in Jesus. Or do you want to just be like, I don't know why I'm in this world. I don't know what the ultimate purpose of life is. I don't know why shitty things happen to good people and vice versa, but even through all the under unknowing and the not understanding, is that we can love one another. We can take care of the widow, the orphan, and the poor. We can we can take care of my sister in law and 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 her kids, not because they're Christians, not because they worship Jesus, is because they are human beings that are going through a horrible tragic turn of events in their life and there's no reason why it happened to them it just did uh you know i tell people life is indiscriminate it it it, it does things to people for no apparent reason death does you know death doesn't come for the healthy or the sick it comes for everyone it doesn't come for the old or for the young it comes for everyone And I know I might be kind of all over the place, but I'm trying to bring all of this together simply saying that we don't understand why we're here. We don't understand why things happen to people, good or bad. But, and also if you have been, so there's that one caveat, one point, but also if you do say and you do watch this, and you say you're a Christian and you're like, "Hey, the Bible's right here. This is what it says. Look at what Kierkegaard says." If you're not living it out, if you're not if you're a Christian and you're not actively helping in your community, if you're not actively helping those less fortunate than you, helping in a soup kitchen, helping the homeless, uh taking care of those less fortunate than you. And I keep saying the widow and the orphan and the poor because that is exactly verbatim what it says in the scripture. Then you're not. Then you're nothing but a scheming swindler. And I, uh, I, I'm a critique on me because I don't do that all the time either. I say, oh yeah, and I, but I'll be the first one to tell you that I think the Bible is a very hard book to understand <laughs> because it wasn't written for us, and that's another whole conversation. But so in closing, I'll say this: How long? Am I? almost an hour you don't always have to agree with everything i say and that's fine uh i want disagreements i want pushbacks i want your comments uh i've gotten some very good uh what am i trying to say comments private comments that people have dm'd me um uh i had someone say since we switched we were the revolution church community i had like a private kind of like facebook facebook that's really minnesotan how i said it facebook um but i'm gonna change it to, to to dba and post in there more and i just apologize for not doing that life just is obviously the last week is hectic but uh all the time during i hate the fall because fall goes by so quick the weather changes and you have a whole bunch of holidays here in America, and it doesn't feel like till January, February that I actually get a good grasp and, and footing on everything. So that'll be in the works. Um, we'll be back live um, at Bryant Lake Bowl tomorrow, but just because of this holiday weekend, I just kind of wanted to do it here at my house. It just makes more sense. But and go back, um, listen to this if if. You've just watched part of it. Just watch the whole thing. It makes sense. But I'm I'm left with this. Um, even if you didn't like what I said today, that's absolutely fine. That's your prerogative. But please, please, if you are a person of faith, if you're even if you're not a person of faith who watch this, because I respect everyone who wherever you're at in your faith journey. Because you guys have respected mine and my openness of my doubt on a lot of things. But please find any sort of financial part in your in your life and if you could donate to my sister-in-law and my nieces um so they don't have this burden of not just losing a husband losing a father losing their provider um to help alleviate cuz we want to buy this house for them we literally want them to not have the burden of not just the loss of this such monumental person in their life, but to, um, so they don't have to worry about a mortgage ever again. Um, that would just be awesome. Like I said, any uh, any amount of money that you can provide, uh, minimal or large, would be highly appreciated. And it's, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Amanda, uh, the uh, pastor, Matt, said it's all taxed. Tax-free, uh, tax tax-exempt, um, and it's going to go right to her and her family, not to the church, not to anyone else. One comment, Scotty wrote, Memory eternal and God's peace to you and your family, bro. Joshua's an amazing guy, and our hearts are grieving and broken with yours. Thanks, Scotty. Um, yeah, Um I still it's still bewilderment, you know, like Amanda said, when we were coming home yesterday back to our house, um, it still doesn't seem real. It doesn't. It's like this world when we're we're like. Like, I feel like my emotions are like in a snow globe, like you shake the snow globe and your emotions are like all these like little snowflakes. Some are sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And that's that's OK. That's OK. Like uh, our our grief is different. You know, um, and, and it affects everyone in completely different ways, um, and that's fine. But like I said, um, look up Soren Kierkegaard. He's an amazing philosopher. Buy buy books on him if you're curious. There's a plethora of books out there written on the man. It's just a very I have a ton of his books myself. Um, just amazing philosopher amazing thinker amazing just uh orator of his thoughts and ideas um so if if you want to know who was in who brian was influenced by soren kierkegaard was uh was a major player in that um and just be okay within the doubt just be okay in 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 the unknowing of things in life and it's okay live into the doubt live into the unknow unknowingness live into the the void i would say sometimes because maybe in that you can find beauty maybe in that you can find god maybe in that you can find your zen or or your center or whatever it is cuz i tell people all the time i I'm, I'm not here to preach jesus at you i'm going to talk about jesus cuz jesus is a central figure in my life and in my theology and in my philosophy but if it's not for you, that's totally great. We are gonna love you here, um, no matter what, wherever you're at on in your journey in life. But and the last thing I will say, and I will, if you, if you heard what I said earlier, the repetition. If I keep saying something over and over, I'm trying to push a point home. Donate to the Cedar Bend Church Fund for Josh, because that's the church that was um he him and his family was a part of. And like I said, um, any amount is fine. Um, we're going to donate here. We just got to get our finances in order, look over them, and we're going to give as family Um, and pass the word. You know, if any, I know we have a lot of people that watch internationally. Um, I think it would be awesome if we could get people from the UK or, or Switzerland or Australia or... Austria or wherever being able to give even if it's ten or fifteen dollars to show like, hey, this is what community is. This is not even a community of Christians, but just humanity. What how awesome is humanity when we can do this and, and come together and pull our resources together to take care of someone on the other side uh of the planet. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, thanks for watching for those who did. Um And like I say every week, uh, just love one another, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next week. All right.